Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Journal Podcast. I'm joined today by my main man, Mr. Cider. Mitch, how are we doing today? Oh, I'm just fantastic. How about you, Mr. Sherman? I'm doing fantastic as well. Uh, it is officially basketball season for me. Uh, my Dallas Cowboys, to the surprise of absolutely nobody, I would assume, uh, lost to the 49ers just now. So football season's over for me, 100% focused on basketball now. And we are less than three weeks away from the trade deadline. So me and Mitch uh, had some some mock trades and just some discussion about you know, the teams that we think could be sellers, who could be buyers uh, at this year's trade deadline. So Mitch, I'm going to go to you first. You have uh, some mock trades cooked up here. So I got to start off with the Mavericks because I think that they're a team that really needs to either A, bring in some actual talent around uh, Luca to just like pray to God that something clicks because as much as Christian Wood is a fantastic second piece for him this season, I don't think he's like a super long-term uh, solution. Um, the first thing I would do uh, is probably try to work on getting a wing. So uh, I've got I, I, like this one. This one is probably the one that like people are going to like be like, this makes no sense. Why would you want to do this? Um, but I'm going to send uh, uh, Bertans and Hardaway Jr. for uh, Levert and Rubio. The first reason I do this is because Tim Hardaway Jr. is on a god awful horrendous contract. And uh, I why think, I don't think it's what, what, it's what 17, well, 18 mil. I don't think it's ni- 19, 19 and a half, but it's still it's not, yeah, not, not great. Yeah, it's not it's great. Not, not what you but, want. Yeah. Uh, you do this. I mean, it's not as bad for... as Bertanza. Bertanza is the one with the, with the bad contract here of the two. Yes, he is. But yeah. if Caleb. And because, you know, he's got like he's got this is his last year and he's getting a huge paid payday like this last year. Yeah. Um, If they really want to, like, free up some, you know, potential cap space down the line who because everybody wants to play with Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. Let's 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 be honest. Uh, if they do want to free up some of that down the line, they shed some of the money and they pick up Tamar Jr., who could be a little more consistent, cares the vert um, as funny as that is. And I think Rubio is the perfect backup guard for Dallas. I think they actually need another backup playmaker, not just like as much as they've yeah, missed yeah. Brunson right now, they like would be absolutely fantastic for them. I what you could do here is instead, um, if you if you wanna like not um commit to Christian Wood, you would add Christian Wood to this trade and add Kevin Love from the Cavs side. So it'd be Caleb, Rubio, Levert for Bertans, Hardaway Jr. and Christian Wood. Cavs do that. Uh, just out of the idea that the, you're shedding salary there, because um, Woods on expiring, you'd be in the last uh, stretch there of Hardaway Jr., and then you don't have to worry about giving Love any other extensions. Uh, you do lose on Rubio, who I think is a very solid backup, but I think all in all, that's like a trade that like people it it look they look it looks like they don't move the needle for him, but that's like a good consolidation trade for Cleveland and a great like little pickup for Dallas. That's if Christian Wood wants a little more money for the honey down the line kind of thing, and yeah. they don't want to pay him. I would personally, but you know, see the reason why I don't like it for the Cavs is because I'd rather I'd rather try to re-sign Caleb for whatever his market's going to be this summer than have to eat the Bertans contract. And yeah, I guess like uh, positionally swapping Rubio for Tim Hardaway Jr. works, but I like Ricky Rubio a lot. I think he's really good uh, specifically for this Cavs team. I don't know if I love that swap. And then I guess you get Christian Wood, but I don't, 
I don't really know if he really holds value for them, given they have Mobley and Allen already. So I don't love it for the Cavs, but for the Mavericks to pick up uh, Rubio, I think would be a really good addition for them. Yeah, I was um I was toying around with the idea of uh, acquiring acqui- acquiring Demar, uh, which I couldn't make anything like realistic happen. Yeah, it's um, tough with the the salaries there. Plus, it's tough, and like they're not a very um like there's not a lot to like move in terms of pieces there, which is why instead of targeting Demar from the Bulls, I think you could probably get Vooch if if Vooch is gonna walk anyway, because you know I don't think. Chicago's looking to pay him any extra amount or anything. So if you wanted to like consolidate here and get a couple, get a first back and a couple seconds, uh, I would send Hardaway Jr. Powell uh, 2026 first unprotected completely and uh, 2027 second for Vooch and Kobe. Um, you could even if you wanted to, if you wanted to like really sweeten it, you could throw in a guy like Nilakina. You know, Frank the Tank's totally going to help out whatever Chicago's doing there. But this way, you actually get value out of Vooch instead of letting him walk for nothing. You don't have to pay Kobe anymore because uh, he's going to want that extension. And you get your you get another like rim-running big who can not, – he's not as versatile as Vooch, obviously, but r- roll and cut, you know, same kind of thing there. Um, you do have another floor spacer and creator in Hardaway Jr. And then you get a – you basically recoup a first from – acquiring Vooch so you know you kind of like you can throw another first in there or throw another second in there whatever you want to do but I think that's like a like both sides walk away feeling like yeah we lost some but we kind of look better on the other side and like maybe three years down the line Mavs regret that and that first is valuable but the Bulls definitely look and say you know what we'll totally take that trade yeah I think the Bulls would definitely take that trade just to get some sort of value out of Vooch because I agree I definitely think he's out the door the summer so to get another wing and draft picks, I think would be great for them uh, yeah. for Vucevic for the Mavs. Like, I don't know, because the, like it's the same issue with why I think the Bulls would like to get rid of Vucevic. It's like, well, what are you really going to pay him? He's what? 32 now. Yeah. I yeah. wouldn't really want to give him any sort of long-term money. So yeah, I think the Bulls definitely walk away feeling good about that trade for the Mavs. I think it makes them better right now. So if they're looking to like make a push to add Vuce would be definitely be nice. But I mean, you're not really worried about the draft pick. I mean, Luca is gonna as long as he's there, like that pick is not gonna be worth much. Yeah, but, no, your 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 firsts are probably landing end of the round anyway. Like right. So the only issue I would have is that it makes them slightly better this year, and then long term, it not only are you giving up like that extra pick to make some other move, but having to resign Vooch. I think he's you know he's having a pretty good season this year. Don't get me wrong, but he's definitely you know on the other side of his prime here. So. I just worry about what the long-term outlook is if they if the Mavs made that move. Yeah. Um, one of the other ones I was toying with was them acquiring Middleton. Uh, he's having mm. a dip in the year. He might be looking at the what's around in the free market because he, he Bucks might not look to give him that kind of money that he's looking for, despite the fact that he's coming back from injury, still a down year. So working out some sort of sign and trade there, something around like Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie in a first kind of thing, just because if you're not looking to pay Middleton – you're not letting him walk for nothing, obviously. So something like that. I think people overvalue uh what Chris actually brings to a squad. Cause I like like I, I do agree. He is that like fringe area guy, like your third man on a team for pr- pretty damn good. Um, I think Drew's eclipsed him in his absence. Like I think people are finally realizing, oh shit, Drew Holiday is that dude. 
So I think yeah. Middleton's value is kind of like stagnant, I'd say. I don't think it's going to like get back to what people were calling him a near all-star. I I don't know what else to like really throw for Dallas because they're kind of a team where it's like you don't have much to play with other than your picks and some rotation players. Like Reggie Bullock, Josh Green, I think, holds a little trade value. He holds trade value, but I'd want to keep Josh Green for what he does off ball with Luka. He's such an integral catch-and-shoot player, and he makes all the right moves and all the back cuts. Hardy's going to be a super valuable trade piece, but I think he'll be more trade bait come down the line. I think, you know, like if they they took a flyer on a guy like Cam Reddish or if they went out and said, you know, let's see if we can get like Rui Hashimura and like try to develop him next to Luka. We'll see. Like, because you have a window where Luka's already this good. And he's this young, so you might like you might as well build a playoff team and not worry about developing guys around him. Like, right. if even if this is Lucas' ceiling, which I still think he can still creep up and up and up and up, because people said that last year, like, oh, this is as good as he's going to get. And then the year before that, oh, he's probably not going to get much more. And like, look at him now. If he keeps making like small incremental adjustments, getting more like mobile and more agile and light on his feet, then like, man, just keep building a playoff team around him. Yeah, I mean, just just like, off experience alone. I mean, he's going to continue to get better as he progresses towards 30 and I mean, he's in much better shape than he was any other season coming in, like coming in. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no reason to think he's not going to get better in my opinion. Uh, He's still what 23, 24. So yeah, he's going to keep getting better, but you only have so many seasons of this generational talent. And yeah, I agree. You have to take as many swings at it as possible. You have to start building um, as close to a contender as you can right away. Yeah. And I don't think you worry about consolidating any of your picks or trying Mm -hmm. to get young talent. I think you, Try to get out like like right. imagine if they got a guy like Aiden or if they if they were like, you know what, let's yeah. take a swing at OG, like stuff like that, where it's like you you immediately pair those level of players with Luca. And not only does he raise their ceiling, but he just like across the board is like, oh, because like the, the less you have to run Luca into the ground, the better, because then come mm-hmm. playoffs, you can really mm-hmm. let him take over for 40 plus minutes. Right. So as long as you can like get by in the regular season with like the one two combo and then let him play the heavy isolation and then kick game, like I think that's kind of the move you got to make as a Dallas yeah. team. Yeah. And I think the idea of Middleton would be really good for them. The only issue is the durability concerns given he's played, I think, what, seven games this season, nine games this season, something like yeah. that. So yeah. yeah, the only concern there is the, the long term durability of Middleton. But I like, I like the fit because if we saw. Him as the number two option with Giannis, obviously they won a title. So Luca obviously is in that same echelon of talent as Giannis. So, and I think the fit would be just as good those two together. Yeah. So if 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 the Mavs had confidence that Middleton could get back to what he was before, then that's definitely the type of player I think they should go for. It's just tough, especially he's got a forty million dollar player option for next season, which I think he's definitely taking no matter where he is. So it's tough if they could. If they could make the right deal for him, not give up, I think they would probably. I, I don't know. I don't even know what a trade would look like, but I, I think I think it would work. Like I like the fit of it. It's just you would have to be able to re-sign him for like third option type money, and then still have to go get your second guy. I think. Yeah. Well, I think I think at that point you're looking at a lineup of like you'd be you'd have like Luca, Hardy, Middleton. Uh, if you had Kleber or Finney DFS, like. And then Christian Wood. And I think that's a solid, solid like lineup. I think the problem is then your bench kind of sucks because like you lost Dinwiddie. So you'd probably have McKinley, Nilakina, Josh Green, Bullock, and Javel. And that's not like Yeah. You don't have you don't have an eight man rotation for the playoffs, let alone a two man rotation for 
the regular season. So I don't know. I think Dallas is in like a really tough spot because yes, you have this generational talent in Luca, but you can't really utilize a full team around him right now because you don't have the assets to make moves, nor do you have the talent within your organization to wait. Like like Hardy and Josh Green, when they hit their stride, of course, they're going to be fantastic, but they're still young. And like by the time Luca's 27, they'll just be getting up to speed. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, if Luca's like, man, I'm fed up as hell, like as much as Mark Cuban says he'll do anything to keep me, he hasn't made a trade to go get that superstar talent. He'll probably feel like I'm going to end up like Dirk if I don't get out of here kind of thing, which mm. I'm not a diss to my boy, but like he could have had so much more hardware if he decided right. to explore other places. Yeah. So It's tough. I feel like we don't, we don't really see the big uh, superstar acquisitions at the deadline. It is pretty rare, um, but in the off season, I could definitely see the maps trying to trying to move some things around because yeah, it is only a matter of time before like Luca doesn't really strike me as the type of guy that would like try to go to like the big market or anything like that. But there's no reason to think he wouldn't leave the Mavericks if things continue. You know, if there's still like a second round, middle of the road sort of Western Conference playoff team. Yeah, well, I mean, we're like player it, like movement empowerment has been higher than ever like it, in this generation. So if for him to be like. I want to accumulate as much hardware and fill my trophy case as much as I can while I'm in my prime. There's no reason for him to be loyal to Dallas if they're not doing that for him. So I don't, I don't, he's, he strikes me as a guy that's like, I'm here to play for you as long as you're here to play for me. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm here to go at bat for you as long as you're putting the pieces around me that I need. And right. he's already expressed, like he's already been vocal with like, wants Dallas to go after some guys. He's, I read a, I'm not, I'm pretty sure this one was a little, hearsay but there was a part where jimmy he wanted to go target jimmy and i was like "Ah, i mean Mm. interesting idea but he's been at least he's been vocal of being like hey listen man i need something else i need more around me like christian wood's a great start and everybody thought that that was a very low-key acquisition i need more of those low-key acquisitions build them up around me yeah and it might i don't know i mean it might just take a couple more christian woods you know what i mean to just be around luca just to fill out an eight-man rotation he might just be that good when when he gets into his actual prime. Yeah. But yeah, he definitely strikes me as the guy that just, he wants to play for a team that's just trying to win as much as he is. This is a guy that's been playing at damn near the highest level since he was like 16. So I think, yeah, that's what's really important to him. And I don't, I like, I wouldn't be surprised if they make some sort of move at the deadline, but I think the actual like structural changes to this team are going to come in the off season. Yeah. It's not going to be a huge, you know, swing at this off season, but or at the deadline, but I think the off season, they'll try to make some calls, see, see what's available kind of thing. Right. And a lot of that will be determined on how the playoffs actually. Yeah. How they trickle out. So uh, who's the next team you had in mind as someone who could be active? Uh, I think a team that needs to, and I don't mean to like bash on whatever, like a lot of, a lot of people are saying the bulls, but I think the wizards really need to figure something out and they need to do it fast. It it feels more and more like Kuz doesn't want to be there. Um, Hashimura has vocalized that he wants to be somewhere where he's wanted. Um, I have no idea. Um, Denny Avdiha, like he's a great, great prospect that I feel is kind of being wasted. Like they've got Corey Kispert. They've got plenty of um, trade bait. I like the ideal idea of Beal and Kristaps. I like that dynamic. Unfortunately, they've got too much like kind of like withering talent where I don't think they're in the position where they think like I think they think they're too talented for yeah. what's actually going on. So, uh a couple of the ideas so, like I 
I still find it super weird that um like guys like Delon Wright is still like kicking around because like he's like he's he's a backup, but like why what is he wasting his time on Washington for? Well, yeah, Ante Morris steady as as could be, but like why are you on Washington? Why did you like of all the places to be? I know Johnny Davis has not been seeing NBA minutes like he should have been. Well, so should he though? I I know you have uh, solidly given up on uh, most of the of the player development going on from that draft, but I think he's another guy where it's like just a terrible situation. Yeah, I mean, look at this in five Wizards, minutes. Like he's in, I don't in, know in five minutes. Listen to this. This is crazy stat line. In five minutes, one and a half points. The dude's putting up. 0.7 assists. He's putting up per 36. Oh, who? I have no idea. He has no idea. Like, like I don't think he even has the trajectory. Has he played 36 of... minutes? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Anyways, what I think they should do first is if they can um, get Rui somewhere, do that because he's obviously doesn't want to be like a part of what's going on in uh, yeah. Washington. I, I like the idea of trying to go get Jake Crowder, but... I don't know exactly like what that does for you because I'm on the I'm on the verge of they should be blowing it up. Blowing yeah, no, it I'm up. in the, I'm in the opposite direction. Honestly, like I've I'm kind of besides you know the trading of all of these forwards that they have, I'm kind of in complete disagreement with you about. I don't really like the Beal like the two man game between Beal and Kristaps. Like just having those two guys, it's not a bad fit or anything, but building your team around those two guys is probably the last thing I'd want to do if I was a franchise. So. I feel like this should definitely be a blow it up team. They're right on the cusp of being in that group of like the the tanking teams. I think it's it's time they blow it up. Get whatever value you can for Kuzma. See if Beal would like to, you know, find a new home. Get rid of like I don't just think you find a team guys. that can take Beal on. Like that's my problem with trying to move oh, yeah, Beal. No. Like that money is just insane for you not getting back another max level player who's not worth like like who Beal is not worth at all kind of thing. What about um, what about uh, Westbrook? Westbrook in the picks? Is that crazy? It's crazy because I don't think the Lakers want to do it. I think the Lakers have realized that they're kind of at a wash. Well, hold, is, I don't know. I actually haven't really put much thought into this, but now that I'm saying it out loud, like I don't know. Would would the Lakers do that? Because for the the, the Wizards, that's that's a great reset if they're able to let's say get both of those picks. You just take you get rid yourself of the Beal contract. Get some value out of Kuzma. Consolidate all these young prospects that you have. I think I think that makes a lot of sense for them. And for the Lakers, obviously, it's a huge risk, but I could see them taking that type of risk if LeBron is able to apply enough pressure. Because I think he True. would want Beal. I think Beal. I think LeBron would yeah. would like that trade, which is like you know that gets you almost halfway there with the Lakers. Yeah. Uh, speaking of then moving the the forward and the draft of Beal, how do you feel like Kuz on the Warriors? Uh, as a Celtics fan, I hate it, but. As an NBA fan, yeah, yeah. Um, why you think Boston can go out and get Kuz? No, well, no. It just <laughs> one of the few teams I'm worried about out west is still the Warriors. So for them to get Kuzma yeah. would make them scary. So if they were to like, so like say like Kuzma, Kispert for Jamichael Green, Wiseman, Moody, and a first. Uh give okay, them more sorry. shooting and give them another creator. Just, just, yeah. just make sure that Curry goes for another. Uh, Wait, for you said Jamichael Green, Moody. Wiseman and Kaminga? No, no, no. And a first, not Kaminga. Kaminga is untouchable. Kaminga. I think Kaminga is untouchable. Untouchable. That's a stretch. I get it, but untouchable is... I, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't at this point, because Kaminga has basically just slotted himself Untouchable? In, like, obviously you would have traded him for KD coming back, but I'm saying, like, you don't... 
out of the trio, you don't just include him as a toss in right, for right, right. one of the. No, like, I agree with you there. Yeah. Like, um, so you get Kispert, the Wizards, Kuzma. though. Uh, I don't know. I don't love that for the Wizards because what does a Warriors draft pick really do for you? But mm, I mean, I feel this like because uh, Moody, I really like Moody a lot. I guess probably you're getting Moody and Wiseman in the draft. This one. Yeah, you're getting uh, yeah, Moody and I, Wiseman in this one. I'm notoriously low on Wiseman. I don't really think he's. It's like a borderline NBA player in my mind. Um, Damn. Damn. Yeah, like he could he could be on a roster. That's perfectly fine. But I mean, come on, he's he's not a top 400 player in the NBA. I don't think. But you gotta uh, give him some time, man. Look how many people gave up on Bowl. I'm just saying. Valid. Uh, I don't love that trade for the Wizards. I feel like they might be able to get something a little bit more interesting for Kuzma, but. Yeah, I mean, Kuzma and Kispert on the Warriors would be crazy. Kispert would be a great fit as a role yeah. player. Yeah, geez. Does that um, does that work salary-wise? Did you, like... Yeah, yeah, that one works salary-wise. They just have to, Um, I think, the Warriors sign uh, Ty Jerome to a full contract because mm-hmm. they shed Jermichael Green there. Now, hold on. I have another curveball to throw at you because this is one that I was playing with for quite a while. How do you feel about the most injury prone ridden team oh, in the boy. entire league picking up the most injury ridden seven, three shooting guard in the entire league, the Pelicans <laughs> trade for Kristaps. Oh, let's, wow. Let's think about this for a second. All right. Okay. So if, if you want to get rid of that, of that, that horrendous also Kristaps contract and you want to like pretty stinky. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking, all right. And you're going to think this is a little blasphemous right now. <laughs> Garrett temple, JV, Devontae Graham, who two out of those three players are not valuable pieces. Uh, JV is a valuable piece. Devontae Graham is basically negative money. Yes. And the Lakers pick. The one from this year? 2023. Because as it's so say say that Lakers hypothetical Beal trade goes through, that Lakers pick no longer looks like it's a top six or seven. You're looking more like end of the lottery. Do you do it? Then you mm. run a lot. And then, then think about this for a second. You run an absolutely ridiculously hypercharged lineup of like CJ Ingram at the two. Like it's whenever he comes back, but like it's just the size there is absolutely ridiculous. And you just get to watch fun Pelicans basketball, man. That you that team would be hilarious. I would I would tune in every single night to watch them play. Yeah, it would make them an even more interesting team to watch, but Oh, that is a big risk. I think just just giving up the Lakers pick alone is a big risk. That could very easily be a top five pick, even if even if they end up with the eighth or ninth worst record. You know, you still have the chance to jump up. So that's pretty risky. Yeah. But also, just taking on Porzingis is a big risk too, not only for the injury, but I mean, I guess this is sort of the timeline where you take that sort of swing before Zion's extension kicks in. Yeah, because but... right now, like you have the money to be playing like that, and. I honestly think the Pelicans are like a sleeper team, one trade away to like make that Western Conference Finals push. Um, because we and talked that about is, that is the perfect fit. Like if we're if we're thinking of a healthy Porzingis, I'm glad I'm glad you see the vision. Oh, absolutely, I see the vision of you know if we're talking about like 2K and where we can turn in injuries off, then yeah, that's an incredible trade. Um, man, because what the Pelicans need is a rim protector and some floor spacing. I mean, they, they just need him to be a 7-3 shooting guard on offense, you know? So that would be, if it weren't for the durability concerns, I think that's the type of risk you can you can make before Zion's extension kicks in. But, 
Yeah, I would I would be <laughs> very hesitant on making I would trade. be very afraid as the Pelicans front office to to call that one into the league. But I, I like the idea here. I like I like these curveballs that you're throwing. Um another one I was thinking is um if Duarte really has no like lifeline in Indy, why don't they just do a Rui Duarte and like a second swap? Like Wizards throw them like a I like that. On a yeah. 2024 second, get Chris in there. Yeah, my um, problem for your problem, just swap them out. Yeah, yeah kind of thing. Because like I feel like those are both guys that needs a ch- that need a change of scenery. Mm-hmm. I think one of the more like nasty ones that I was thinking of was um, it's 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 funny because like Talonhorn Tucker is kind of been like a weird like flash of like is he or is he not yeah. like what's going on there. So uh, the Jazz get Hashimura. Wizards get THT and see how that plays out. Another thing is, is that I believe that Markinen is like, I don't know how much of Utah you've actually watched this year, but I think he's low key been dominating other threes. He's been playing a lot of three, four. Mm-hmm. And I think like if you put, I'm just saying the six, nine vision is there, but uh, you put Rui at the three or the four there, instead of just playing him as like this other switchy, combo forward because like i i also don't like washington like you said there's a huge like forward backup there so i don't like the fact that they're not even going to give him minutes to like try to bump up his trade value they're just yeah. like well we'll find your new home yeah um, i think i feel like Rui kind of has to exclusively play the four almost i feel like he's too slow for threes he's too four end. too slow but he's got such a nice like inside game that i think it's i think it's yeah like, i think it would work with with lowry yeah 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 um Aside from that, there's like a couple like I was thinking like, man, what if the Hawks make a trade? Like, what if what if they got like Collins and Clint and they try to send like Kuz and Kristaps or something like to hey, really I'll tell help you, that out? I'll tell you right now, you haven't gotten a chance to listen because I just published it like 30 minutes ago. But on the pod yesterday with Gaul, he was talking about we were you know discussing Hawks mock trades. And yeah. he said you know, I don't really care who we trade, but get me Kuzma. So he would he would probably love that deal. That's what I'm saying. I think I, I think the problem with Atlanta as a whole is the the adjustment that Trey's like no longer as ball dominant as he wanted to be, and that their star forward, I can't believe I'm even fucking calling him that. Their star forward and John Collins is become so complacent yeah. with everything. Like they're about to be in like luxury tax hell and they got nothing to show for it so yeah the the 2024-25 season the hawks have 123 or 124 million tied up in trey hunter collins and capella those four players that's it mm. yeah that's so, if you just that's if you don't yeah if you Dante, just run like, four players out there yeah just oh, okay interesting i don't know yeah. how that's gonna work you have any other teams that you think uh we're yeah, about I think the, the I think the Cavs need forwards, but I don't know how to give them other than like getting them like Will Barton or something like that. Like mm. so many, so many people are like, "Man, I can't wait to see what the asking price of OG is," and it's like, "Stop! <laughs> You're not gonna get him. He's yeah. ours." Yeah. Um, those are the teams that I thought really needed to make like one little like midseason juicer. Um, I've got a couple Raptors trades, but I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll let you segue into the actual Raptors talk before I talk about those. I don't, I think this is going to be a very like uneventful trade line or trade deadline just because we'll see like the usual suspects or like who we assume is going to be the usual suspects. Yeah. And then like 
one team like Brooklyn's going to be like, yeah, we got Jackson Hayes. Let's go. <laughs> and everyone's going to be like, oh, cool. Where'd right. you put Cam Thomas? And they're like, oh, well, we we uh, we waved him. Uh, yeah. And it's like, <laughs> nice, sick. Like, as much as I want to see, like, like I, I, of course, I want to see Miles Turner moved. And I, I want to see the Lakers do something crazy stupid just to throw away the rest of their future. <laughs> And and yes, I'd like Utah to just like move Clarkson to somewhere where he can like really just be a twenty plus flourishing guy because it feels like every night I watch them, I'm like, man, this Clarkson guy is so fun. Yeah. Utah sucks so much. He could be actually winning basketball games. And like part of me wants Tobias Harris to find a new home because God, Philly is frustrating to watch. And yes, Jakob yeah, Jakob Pertle would be great if he was on the Celtics or if he was on the Raptors. But neither team is giving up two firsts for him. So, yeah, this let's yeah let's stop there for a second. This notion that like Pertle is getting unprotected firsts and like these young assets and stuff. I like Jakob Pertle a lot. I think he's a really good defensive center. Um, I think he might potentially become unplayable in certain playoff series. I just think he's he's a little bit overvalued from the discussions that I've seen about Jakob Pertl. I think he's like in my mind he's where does he land for you? In terms of like just the best centers in the league. Yeah. Just off the top of my head, like maybe he's top twenty. I don't know. That's probably like <laughs> off the Damn. Like he's he's a starting caliber center and I wouldn't go much further than that. That's how I feel about him. I think I might be in the minority there. I think a lot of people regard him as one of the better centers in the league in the like second or third tier of centers in the league. And I, I think that's pretty far fetched. Is he like, is he better than Nurk? Yeah. Yeah. Nurk is not you washed think he's up, better than Nurkic. Yeah. Nurkic is, not, I would like, even, I would, I would, point, I would debate he's... that they're on the same tier. Okay. Yeah. Like, but, is he better? Yeah. Is he better than JV? Is, um, depends what you need. See, I think, I think Valentinus has more talent, but like, He's pretty bad on defense sometimes, so just depends. Is he is he better than like Wendell Carter Jr.? Like, can you say that comfortably? This is what I'm saying. No. He's not a, he's yeah, not no. he's not worth he's not worth two firsts. That's like yeah, no. that's just a pretty like I would I would rather if I really had to like and this is like a like I'm not saying I would do this, but like if I really had to, I'd be like I would rather trade for like man, I'd, I'd rather, rather trade, trade for, for the top. Carter Jr. Yeah, I'd rather trade for like Rob Williams. I'd rather trade oh, for yeah, just, like yeah. I would rather have, and I know this is like a little hypocritical. I'd rather have Clint, or I'd rather have yeah. Allen, or like any anybody like that. Like Wait, who was the last name you said? Like Jared Allen. Or, oh, Jared Allen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like I was just like I think Jakob but I think is like I think maybe my twenty first best center. Right, right, right in that in that range. I think though we might be in the minority among NBA fans though because when I see. And it, it, you know, it's not often that I see Jakob Pertl discourse on the timeline, but when I do, <laughs> it feels like people value him. Like teams should be giving up a first or two for him at the deadline. And I mean, I don't know. Like this guy shoots what, like fifty-two percent from the free throw line, and I think what he brings generally on offense holds value. But like, I don't know. I just worry about in a playoff series, he's a guy that's not getting more than eighteen minutes a game, and I'm not giving up unprotected firsts for that type of guy. No, like I would rather, and this is going to be biased, but I'd rather see what Precious turns into at 28 rather than gamble on a 28-year-old Jakob for two firsts. Like, that's yeah, just Precious, not... Precious has been kind of weird this season. Like, I know he was injured for a while there, but 
I don't know. I was expecting him to kind of take a leap, and I feel like he's kind of gone backwards in some ways. But let's take a quick break, actually, and then we will transition to the Raptors. So Precious Achua has been interesting this season. You know, he missed some time to start the year and hasn't really been the same player that he was uh, last year. So far this year, he went from being like a consistent three-point shooter to taking only like a couple attempts so far on, on the year. So what have you noticed from him? Like, why do you think his role has changed so much in the way that he's played? Uh, so he's obviously coming back from injury. He's still shaking up rust. Um, They're shaking off rust. The funniest thing is, is... uh. <laughs> It's it's not that his usage is down, because uh, his usage is actually up, hmm. uh, which is the funniest part. I will say to his credit, last ten or so games, last five or so games, he's looked great. Last five, it's something like twelve, eight, an assist, and forty four percent from three. The attempts are down, obviously, and I can only point to a lack of. Um, the end of last year, he sort of had a lot more going for him in terms of what Nurse was setting up, um, a lot more pin downs for him, which was hilarious. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, those are funny to watch. Yeah, yeah, like like a pin down for Precious is funny because you're like, what am I watching here? This is cr- why is he pulling up like his Brook Lopez? Um, I will say he hasn't looked as sharp as he did at the end of last year, and I think that has something to do with the fact that he's still like. He's not 100% after his injury, and the minutes show me that. I think the thing that's like a little more concerning is just not concerning for Precious's sake, but for a lineup's sake, where Pascal's minutes at the five have just been so much better, and you don't really see. Yeah, the 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 meme is that Nurse runs his guys into the ground and like. I mean, it's not a meme. It, it is pretty. Well, no, it, it yeah. it's it's true, but because of the rotation being like the bench mom's not there anymore, so you kind of like I understand why he'd do such a thing, but because I think the most common lineup rolled out is Freddie, Gary, OG, Scotty, and Pascal at the five. Mm-hmm. Um, Precious, his touches have changed a lot because he's no longer on the floor. Um, at the same, like he started. The last, mm, I can't remember if he started against uh, the Knicks tonight. Anyways, um, the whole the, the point is is that like he's seeing less and less touches. For example, Malachi, when he's rolling out with the second unit, Malachi is much more of a PNR specialist who, out of the gate, Precious is not exactly the most like advanced role man. Like yeah, yeah, he can set you the pick and run to the basket, but he's still a six eight center. It's hard for you to six eight six nine whatever it's hard for you to like get that same kind of role out of a guy like pascal who can take that midi face up back down spin post move get like i just he's in a weird spot rotational wise i'd still love to you know hold on to him see how he develops but right now it's a it's a it's a weird spot to uh to like really be in for precious yeah it is it is becoming sort of a weird fit because the raptors is just such a weird team just the way that they've decided to build the roster, it makes a player like Precious kind of hard to fit in. But there is a different Toronto big man, quote unquote center, that I want to to talk about a little bit more than Precious because Christian Coloco has been much better than I was anticipating um, for a rookie. He was, you know, not really, you know, regarded as really much of an NBA prospect coming into last season at Arizona, and he was what the thirty first pick, right? 
Uh, yes, I believe so. Right at the start of the second round. Yeah. So 33rd, not like, no 33rd. <clears throat> yeah. So not like a hugely heralded rookie coming in, but I think he's quietly been really good for the Raptors, um, especially as of late. And yet he just got demoted to the G league. So do you have any insight as to why they did that? Because I feel like he's been kind of important for them. Um, I mean, like important is a word. He hasn't like, <laughs> like he's had, he's had flashes of looking great. Yeah. Um, I think he's he's still a little slow footed. Um, he's still a little like obviously like adjusting to like the up and down game of the NBA is hard. Um, first of all, I want to go on record by saying that I hilariously was one of the sole people who was who was like Walker Kessler or Christian Coloco. Like those are the two guys yeah. that I want us to take in the second round. And I was very vocal about that. And I, I to this day, I remember everybody being like, who? The fuck! I don't care. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> fuck you guys. Yeah, and I have to admit that um, it looks like I was wrong about Walker Kessler because I didn't think he was much of an NBA player at all. I we, am, we had listen, multiple discussions listen, about it on this what podcast. I'm telling you, ball don't stop. He has no idea. I'm the true prophet. I'm the <laughs> one who is telling you what exactly is going to happen because I predicted. I predicted Walker Kessler being fantastic. I mean, I didn't predict like the Rudy replacement so quick. Let me. I, uh, I didn't yeah. think that was going to happen, but. I said he was pretty high up there. When I put him high on my draft board, everybody was like, hey, what? Like, I don't know. And I was like, yeah. telling you, this kid's got it. So here's my thing. It's funny because as soon as Coloco gets sent down, he gets recalled. So now he's recalled and it's... Oh, has he already no been sense. recalled? Yeah, yeah, oh, already. It is hilarious because I think... I still... I think he was still putting up a block a game for us uh, when he was in rotation, which is funny because I don't mean to like harp on how our rotations run because you know in 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 nurse we trust but our G League squad has some absolute juicers on it. Reggie Perry's been insane. Uh Ron Harper Jr. has been awesome. Uh Jeff Dotton Jr. who is still in and out is fantastic. Like I I'm we have some absolute sleepers and I'm more concerned as to why we're not like like it's 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 irking to me. Because yeah. Ben's been playing a lot at the nine oh five and he's been putting up like I, I'm pretty sure it's like twenty two seven and five. And it's just like he just yeah. looks like an absolute stud. It's really weird to me. Uh I do know for a fact though that uh Coloco uh put up six blocks in his debut game uh for the nine oh five and then immediately got recalled. So yeah, yeah um, he's, he's been a, a really good rim protector. And I actually I have some numbers that I, I want to want to present oh, to you. Present these to are, um, yeah, these are from uh, Cleaning the Glass. But the the Raptors defensive rating is 10.4 points better with Coloco on the floor as opposed to off. Which 10.4. Would, which would rank him in the 98th percentile in the league. Oh, yeah. very small sample size, but that is crazy. Right, yes. Um, but he also he has a, a 6% effective field goal percentage difference on the defensive end, meaning players, their effective field goal percentage is 6% less when defended by Coloco as opposed to their, you know, league average, um, which would rank him second in the league. Do you know who's first? A little pop quiz trivia time. You know who ranks first in that stuff? Defensive uh... effective field goal percentage difference. It's a real, real nerd sesh moment here. Shout out to nerd sesh on TikTok. It's funny because <laughs> is it a rookie or no? No, no, this is among like all players. Oh, all among all players. Oh, yes. yep. Shit. Is it going to be a player that I like that? It's a pretty odd, even... like obvious name, I would say. 
It's like who you would think it is. It's not Jaron Jackson Jr., is it? It is Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. You know, as my boy Matt Dawson says, a healthy JJJ is the best JJJ. So (laughs) that is, wow, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, right. You said you were going to be surprised if you hadn't seen the numbers before. And Uh, those are pretty pretty popping numbers, huh? That is, uh, hmm. Well, also has... If I'm not mistaken, I didn't actually check on like the NBA's website, but I did read somewhere that Coloco has the highest plus minus of all rookies with plus 109. Hmm. I would have thought it would be Matherin, but yeah. um, why don't? Oh, that's actually see those are I have I have heard like murmurs about um Coloco's like low key impact on some like raptors forms because like I've, I've done like the fanspo dive where people are like why are we including him as a trade piece nobody should be touching coloco and i'm like i was always a fan of the idea of him you know because you know the whole idea is six nine but like a bona fide seven footer who's a great rim protector and a role right. man and is a high flyer because yeah the dude can get up i think he once scotty and I, i'll say this on record i still believe scotty can play the one in the future once that lineup rolls out, I think that's like a ridiculous um, mismatch across the board. Um, it's funny, though. Those are I would not expect that if you told me that just off the rip, uh, just because of how effective it's been with Pascal at the five. So I, I feel like it's probably an inevitability that Coloco leapfrogs uh, Precious then. But I mean, the other funny thing is Precious is 23 and Coloco's 22 that like you, you don't even have to worry about that. One of them can just be the backup at that point, because like, I mean, I'm I'm also like low key come around on the idea that Toronto's a lot younger than everybody kind of like realizes, because um, obviously like Gary OG and Scotty, but Precious and Coloco and Dot Jr. and Banton and whatever. Yeah, outside of outside of to... Freddie and, and Siakam, who are obviously like are the core pieces, but. Outside of those two guys, and I guess that young as well, like this is a really young team, yeah. Yeah, like in all things considered, it it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to do like the dramatic like lever pull that like a lot of people talk about. Like I'm still on the fence of like what our plan is um post deadline. because uh, you know, I still got those Freddy trades cooking up. But um I I feel like and I might be the in like the, the black sheep on this one. It's like I wanna keep Gary out of the two and yeah that might just come off as like a recency bias thing but i really want to keep gary no i i agree i think the raptors should keep him he feels like the obvious trade candidate given that he's uh soon to be a free agent but the raptors are like one of arguably like the worst shooting team in the league they need gary Trent jr if they trade him like they're they're already 29th in offense right now like they're gonna easily fall to 30 if they trade gary Trent jr so yeah i'm in agreement that they should keep him I don't know about trading Pascal because that's one of the things that I've I've seen people be like that'll signal the full blow up like no shit <laughs> yeah right. yeah like that's so? that's that's kind of like the whole idea I just can't like it should be obvious with a player of that talent like oh this is like the perfect fit outside of a team like Memphis I can't think of a single team that like surefire makes a trade setup like Portland. A lot of those packages seems like overpay that include like sharp and something. Wizards doesn't make any sense. I've seen Brooklyn mocks, Maverick mocks, like none of those really make a lot of sense to me. So I don't know. I don't even know where I would send Pascal if like if even if that opportunity even presented itself. Yeah, there's 
yeah, because the Mavs would make sense. It's just like, what are they going to give you that actually? You yeah, unless you're giving me Green and Hardy, which well, kind of seems redundant. Like, no, I mean, even two... so, I wouldn't trade Siakam for anything the Mavericks could offer up. Really, I mean, like if I they wouldn't... were to throw you, if they were to throw you like Hardy, Green, three firsts, unprotected, uh, yeah. Nilakina. Like I know, right? But like that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, come on, what? there's not. There, you tell me, there's not. 26 teams with a better package i think but that's the thing is like like where 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 were those teams and are they are they even calling or are they like oh well, yeah i don't know but i mean i know the raptors are being apparently like we're the most like heavily like monitored team mm-hmm. yeah close yeah, to the deadline because if, 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 we, if we become sellers i guarantee you there's like 25 teams that are like <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely yeah i mean they'll be called that for for pascal for og for gary like um fred as well and i think fred is probably the guy to go if the raptors do make a move and i know you definitely have a lot of uh fred mock trades that you've been working on so let's go over a couple of them yeah um i see the thing with moving freddie and i think that there is like I, you're in agreement that there are some like super obvious locations for him to land yes one of those locations and you're gonna love this one is i think the orlando magic Yes, would would, would very much benefit from the acquisition of Fred Van Vliet because I think I think all not to say that Suggs can't become a really steady lead guard. I still have a lot of faith in him. Um, I I, I just don't think Orlando is like the place that he becomes that guy. Right. So I think the first one that I had lined up was we're sending them Freddie um, for salary purposes. They're sending back. Bamba, Harris, and then Cole Anthony. And then if you can attach a first godsend, but that was like made before Freddie started having his revelation of playing good again. Now that he's playing good again, I think you can definitely include a first on there. I don't know how like unprotected in any way or whatever you want to do there, but I think the core of that trade is like Bamba and Anthony or Bamba and Faults or Bamba and like if you want to throw in Caleb Houston, like yeah. a piece where where Toronto's like I can develop that guy right. to be what we need him to be. Like I don't think they part with Suggs. If they did, whew, I would be super yeah. happy if they did like Harris Bamba and Suggs. Like that would just be a, like a blessing in disguise because Harris gives you the shooting off the bench you need. Bamba gives you a potential lead center if you really want to go down that route again or you know give like bring him off the bench if you're gonna really go for the size it it just makes sense to me bancaro and freddie just just sounds like it would click mm-hmm. no i like, agree i agree totally and I, I i can't tell you why i think that it just it, it it just makes sense on paper does that make sense to you like like just the feel that they would yeah play well i think together? yeah i think the two-man game would be good because Paolo, Paolo, I feel like, at least so far in his career, likes to operate a little bit more like closer to the basket, like more mid-range. Freddie, obviously, is a perimeter player, so I think the two-man game would work pretty well. But I've been on this this Fred Van Vliet to Orlando uh, train for a while now. I don't even remember where I first heard it, but I I really like it because, like you said, Suggs is is not ready yet. Fultz, I think, is is really solid, but he's not really the type of player that I think. But he's a good playmaker, but. I just don't think he's really going to be that crucial in helping to develop Franz and Paolo. And then they have like same with Cole Anthony and, uh, and RJ Hampton, like the guards are too young to be like real impact players. And I feel like for re- rebuilding teams, like it's, it's one thing if you're in the first, maybe even second year of a rebuild to just 
be as bad as possible, only have young players on your team, see, you know, who pops that sort of thing. But the magic are actually starting to be pretty competitive. And the way that you actually work your way out of a rebuild is having quality veterans on your team that can help develop your, your core young players, teach them how to become veterans themselves, how to win games in the yeah. NBA. And I feel and like, I mean, like you already have such a deadly combination of Franz and Boncaro that if you added Fred to that mix, I think you like realistically Franz becomes way more honed as a point forward next yeah. to Freddie. Right. Bancaro's game has opened up way more. And it just like, it just sounds like he's like the perfect, like locker room presence too, where he's like, look, I've been a part of a, a, a ground up rebuild. Essentially. I've been a part of a franchising. We got the fourth round pick. Like we have the fourth pick. We got Scotty. And then we bounced back. I've, I've been to the finals. I've been to the highest and the lows. Like mm-hmm. I can explain to you what's going on with your, like situation right now he could be like this is the growing pains i went through this is the idea he could tell guys like hampton like look g league is not a bad place it's a place where you can develop and really show your worth because hell look where i came from dude and i'm a champion and i'm an all-star like this is what i'm talking about right yeah and fred van vliet you know undrafted and he's built his way up into being an nba champion like he's entirely self-made as an nba player and so like that's the type of veteran that you know i think younger guys can very easily you know sort of have respect for and like listen to so i think not only would he be really good for like the locker room and the development of their young guys but i think the encore fit works well because they they could use like an offensive punch in the backcourt i feel like they got a, a lot of like interesting guards between faults Suggs, hampton cole anthony but i guess cole anthony is a scorer but like none of them really bring the sort of scoring punch that i think they could use yeah and like as steady as some playmakers are in that instance like like don't get me wrong like i think i think call anthony is much more of a combo guard than a true traditional yeah, one yeah. um i like fault as a playmaker but he doesn't have like that's the thing like if you could merge Suggs and yeah if you Fultz, could put all of the like, young, all the magic guards sick. into one player it would be he'd be an all-star it'd be really damn good yeah. but it's just like if these guys all they have, have bits like, and pretty... pieces of right. the right players yeah exactly my second one doesn't make a whole lot of sense in terms of the raptors doing it but if Dallas were to get in the mix, I would send one of Hardy or Green, preferably Hardy. I know you absolutely despise the Bretons inclusion, but for money purposes, you'd need yeah, you to. Gotta. Um, and then either, uh, so I would unprotect the 2024 and the 2029 or the 2027, whichever one they want to include. Um, and then you would just send back Freddie straight up. Um, it's not a lot of value for Freddie. And I made that one when he was at like his lowest peak kind of thing. Yeah. Um, if I were to remake it, I would probably include like maybe Powell or like, like green and Hardy. I know that's a stretch, but like probably something along those lines or not even worry about it and just do like Hardy and Tim Hardaway jr. Cause like that's even better salary than Berton's contract would be. Yeah. Um, Along those lines. And I think that's more of like a, looking to sell rather than like the trade that really makes you move the needle because Mavericks would love that trade would be fantastic. They'd be your Brunson replacement. And then some just, I think Toronto getting the picks. No, uh, is... no, nah, let me stop. You know, Brunson is definitely better than Fred Van Vliet. Mm, you know, agree to disagree. He's on the Knicks. Anyways, it's nah. that, it's that, it's that, it's the garden buff, man. You have no idea. Alan Brunson is definitely better than Fred Van Vliet. He, mm, yeah. Well, anyways, let's move on to the trades. I'm not going to get into <laughs> that debate with you because I believe that Jalen Brunson uh, you know, he it's Madison Square Garden buff. You know, he's there. He'll, he'll come back down to earth. Okay, um, but Madison Square Garden is not adding. Shut up. 
numbers Stop to it. assess. Like he he's still it's doing like, what it's he's like doing. It's like a 2K shoe, you know? Like you, you put it on, you get plus <laughs> seven to most intangibles. And anyways, the Mavericks makes a lot of sense. I would prefer if they did that one because like if, if I'm the Mavericks, not if I'm the Raptors, obviously. If right, I'm the right. Mavericks, that would be I would do that rather than going after like a Gary Trent Jr. because you know I want to keep Gary. This one I thought was hilarious because nobody batted an eye to this one. So the Clippers, since they're looking to move on from John Wall, they send John Wall somewhere. They need a scoring guard who can also play make and play really gritty defense. Kawhi's best buddy, they bring in Freddie. So Freddie, and if you even want to throw him a second rounder to be generous, go ahead, send him to the Clips. Throw them uh, kind of Gomez, but I, I kind of like him. So then we get back Rocco. Terrence Mann and Brandon Boston Jr. I know that seems like a huge risk, and I'll only take one 2028 first from him. <laughs> Here's why I think this is like the most rid- like like th- this is like such a win for both teams. It's a risk for the Clippers, but it might be your guaranteed shot at a ring. Kawhi knows Freddie. Freddie knows Kawhi. They had a great two man game. He knows that these clutch. Freddie knows when to rely on Kawhi, knows how to rely on Freddie. Same kind of issue. Um, Brandon Boston Jr., I don't think is going to get the development he needs on the in the Clippers. Yeah. Um, I think he could be Gary Trent Jr. plus if all things trickle out properly. Terrence Mann's still a great believer in him. Um, not to transcend to where everybody thought he would, but still great solid piece. And I think Rocco would just be another, like, he brings stability, defense, and shooting. And that's kind of what you need. And I'm not saying that I don't love Wall on the Clippers because I do very much love watching Wall. Like it's a feel good, like watching Wall play again. But they're right; they need they need a little bit more to really bring them over the hump because they're not in like a, a ludicrously deep squad as uh, people believe them to be. Um, I don't think Reggie Jackson can turn on the Twilight effect like he did hmm. if, of years prior, but. Um, you know, I think that's an interesting one because I'm a huge fan of Brandon Boston Jr. I just don't know what he becomes if he's on the Clippers. Yeah, it definitely doesn't feel like he's going to get the opportunity to become whatever the best version of him is. But I am really high on Brandon Boston Jr. I've really liked what I've seen from him in the limited NBA minutes he's gotten. So, yeah, that would be a really good get, I think, for for the Raptors if they were to make that move. And it is it is a risky one for the Clippers, but like you said, Fred and and Kawhi sort of have that that connection, that experience together. So that is like the type of move that I think the Clippers should be making if they're going to be active at the deadline, which they most likely will be. I mean, the Clippers have made I think the last four deadlines or something like that. They've made a move, so um, definitely expect them to be active. And I, I like Fred VanVleet for them for sure because like Kyle Lowry has always been a guy I've wanted the Clippers to go after because like similar reason he has that connection with Kawhi and. That's the type of, of point guard that I think the Clippers need. And yeah, he would he would make a lot of sense stylistically and even timeline wise. Like he's not taking right. a lot away from the age. He's I mean younger than Kawhi and PG, but still it, he makes he makes like the hole that they have there so much more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I like that one. I think, <laughs> I think you kind of be hard pressed to get another first round pick out of the Clippers, but especially with Brandon Boston Jr. But yeah. Um, I, I like the idea of that trade that you have there. Now here, here's where we're getting kind of controversial because, like, these are the ones where like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for the other team to do it, but Toronto would be like, yes, please. Um, so the Wizards, a team that we just talked about 
blowing up and I'm going to hypocritically send them Fred Van Vliet <laughs> uh, to do nothing other than win more games when they don't want to. Yeah, to get them um, the nine seed. So uh, Adiha, Hachimura, and then if you want to like split the difference financially, whoever you want to sip as the third. I, in my mock, currently have Monte Morris in place of a first-round pick, so you don't lose any picks. So it's just those three for Freddie and the 2023 second-rounder. The reason I think this is hilarious to do is because you get Hachimura and Ediha, who I think would be great fits on Toronto. I think Ediha would be that perfect play OG at... Like the, the way my lineup trickles out, and I always want to do this, is because once Freddie's gone, Scotty plays the one, Gary at the two, OG at the three, if he's still there, Pascal at the four, and then Coloco at the five. In this hypothetical universe, we've already figured out what we're doing with Pascal. So I'm slotting. This, this one makes no, like, I absolutely love this lineup. Scotty, Gary, Adiha, OG, Coloco. Playmaking a plenty, defense a plenty, and then shooting. There we go. We'll figure that out later. <laughs> um, but the thing is, is like I don't like 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 we talked about Washington getting better doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Why would they do that? I don't know, but I want them to. So I, you know, I think it's... given given the the Zards are the Zards. Like I could see them like talking themselves into that move because Rui is a guy that obviously they don't really seem to care that much about him. He doesn't want to be there. Yeah. Um. And so you're using one of your your glut of forwards to turn Monte Morris into Fred Van Vliet. Like I feel yeah. like that's how the Wizards might look at it and go, yeah, let's let's push for that uh, that playing game revenue. Yeah. And then we tell, and then like Kuzma is tantalized by the fact that we're going to be winning some games, and you know things trickle out good there. Yeah. Um. All right. Now here's where we get controversial. Oh, we're so, getting more controversial now. Yeah. Oh, even more because okay. this one, this one has the trade itself isn't controversial. It's just the idea. So somewhere down the line, I don't know who the hell, if it was Jake Fisher or some weird Bleacher Report thing, but the Pelicans being interested in Freddie, I don't know if there's a mm. single concrete report of that. But the Pelicans were to make a move. Devonte Graham, who's a negative asset, Jackson Hayes, who's the real dangler in this situation. Kira Lewis Jr. and a 2024 first rounder from Milwaukee. Yeah. But Freddie and Herna Gomez. My only issue with that deal, like because that's not a lot to give up if you're the Pelicans. In fact, you're getting off of Devontae's money. But and I think was it might have been us that already talked about this. Is that like if the Pelicans trade for Fred Van Vliet, like you can't just play him for 24 minutes and CJ for 24 minutes, but them on the court together would be pretty ugly. It would be pretty ugly, but think of the offensive dynamo. It's a worse Damon CJ, you know. (laughs) But this time you got Ingram and Zion to back you you know? Yeah, I think that it's pretty low risk. Like, you don't think that Bucks pick will be higher than like 25th. And, you know, they don't, obviously, you don't really want Devontae, Jackson Hayes, kind of whatever. Like, you're not giving up much, but I just don't know how much sense it makes on the court because those two together would get cooked yeah it's not they it's funny because like as much as freddie is a hard-nosed defender <laughs> you're still six yeah. foot one six if, foot it with yeah. giant quotation marks yeah listen so. man he's 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 got a lot of grit and grind in him i just don't <laughs> think that he's the defender that would really solve the problems there um i've seen a lot of like toronto d rumors and like Ew. 
Yeah, I'm like Minnesota probably has zero interest in. I think I think like those that. are just Fred Van Vliet to Minnesota rumors, and <clears throat> D'Lo's got to go. Yeah, like I don't I don't understand the fit of D'Lo on Toronto at. I don't understand the fit like, of D'Lo on any team. Hey, honestly, man, listen, like listen. the way that he plays just doesn't work. He's a pure hooper, though. Don't don't say that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I think the thing I think the one I like most is the Clippers acquisition. Um, yeah. If I really were to give one. I think that, yeah, um, that makes the most sense for both sides. Clippers makes a lot of sense. I would like to get my hands on Hashimura and Adiha, but, you know, that's a pipe dream. And I think uh, the best one for, like, a good feel would be Orlando because that would benefit both squads and would make make it really interesting for Orlando as a competitive ball squad. Um, I couldn't figure out a trade with the Suns because even though Aiden's there, he doesn't want to be. Um, I couldn't for the life of me do anything with the Suns. Uh, fiddled around with Denver for a little bit. Didn't make a lot of sense there. Um, yeah. I Wait, don't for, know. for for Van Vliet. Yeah, like as like if they played Jamal and Freddie together, but yeah, it's it's interesting. I think Orlando and the Clippers would be a very fun team, and I think if I was the Mavs, I'd go after it, but. Toronto probably just goes eh at the packages thrown at them. Yeah, that's the thing. We we talked about it with the Mavs already, but they just don't really have much that really interests you. In Not a lot of trade packages to to improve the team. Like it's just like because they're always since they have Luca, like you figure they're always going to be competitive enough to where if you're getting their unprotected future picks, like they don't. They don't really. It's not just like a lore of like oh yeah. well it could be number one. No, it's it's probably not. It's it's probably not. Probably so seventeen they, to twenty four is what it is, but yeah. So it's um, which honestly, like those are like the least valuable picks. I feel like end of the first round, like twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty. If you if you get like a Desmond Bain or something like that, at the end of the first round, like he's making like one point two million, one point six million. So those I feel like are actually more valuable picks than yeah, like after the lottery. But uh, uh, yeah, so the Lakers yeah, ones the make me want to vomit whenever I see the Freddie and Trent or Freddie for. Bonnie, Russ, and Max Christie, oh, or something geez. like that. Oh my god! And I'm like, I'm did like, Nick, did Nick cook that one up himself? Uh, I've seen Nick throw around the uh, OG Gary Trent Jr. and Freddie for Russ, Lonnie, Christie, and oh then the two first. Oh dude! And I'm like, why? I gotta be why honest. would anybody entertain that idea? I gotta be honest. I don't feel like those two Lakers picks are like these gems of assets necessarily. Not only they're five years away but like i don't know we're banking on some like seventh grader you know what i'm saying like i'm giving up my my all-star player for this dude who's in seventh grade and we have no idea i i will i I will counter you with the fact that those picks if like of course we can't predict the draft class but by the time that that in my opinion that puts ad and lebron gone so yeah, but I think I think so far gone that like it doesn't even really impact what the team look like. That you think five the next years big man will come, like the big star will come and save the Lakers, like maybe, like, maybe not. But like, say LeBron's only with the team for like two more years, you got like a whole like coaching tenure before like those picks come up. You know what I mean? Like that's a long time. The roster can change a lot, and like I don't know, it, they could be the the twelve seed, and you still. You traded away your your all star player for like the ninth pick six years down the line. Yeah, you know, so it's like it's no guarantee that even if the Lakers are bad, that that pick is going to be all that valuable. 
Yeah, I think that's why this year's pick for the Pelicans, like, because I think right now it would land at eight, somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, I think that one, if the Lakers make a deadline trade, will start to like lose a little bit more value as it goes on, kind of thing. I still, because I still feel the like, don't get me wrong, Lakers are completely not playoff threats in my mind, but I still think they're a threat to make the play in if they make another move. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think that would be just like an astronomical fuck up by them because they would have just completely been like, Hey, LeBron, I know you're having this amazing eclipsing 30 plus <laughs> scoring outing every single night. We're gonna get you that Bradley Beal. All right. We're gonna we're gonna get you Beal. And then next year when AD's fed up and he doesn't want to be here anymore because he's losing and, and and we'll be off all that rust money, uh then then we'll get you that supporting star that you want with all that money. But uh, until then, you play this out and you get us those jersey sales. All right, buddy. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand the apologists Ugh. narrative that's going around about him lately. Yeah, don't even get me like, started. Like, I don't look, know. What he's, look what he's doing, and look at the people he has to play with. And it's like, look at the team he. What you should be saying is, look at the team he built. Yeah, and look what he's doing now that they're not there. It's like it's crazy. I don't know if you listened to uh, the mismatch, but Chris Vernon had a fantastic rant about how people need to stop calling LeBron the victim in this situation. The reason why the team is what it is is because you wanted to trade everything for Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook, which the first time, you know, got you a ring, but you gave up everything that you had for Russell Westbrook, like possibly the worst player you could have picked to to team up with. So My- the idea that like, Oh, how could the Lakers do this to LeBron? Uh, the, <laughs> the Lakers owe this to LeBron to use those picks. Like, no, they, they've done everything that he's wanted to this point, And now they're in this situation. My this situation, and this is my analogy. It's LeBron has walked up to a subway counter and they have laid out all of the ingredients. He hand selected, put it on a sandwich. He took a bite. and He's like, this tastes like shit. And he threw it at the poor cashier. And it's like, my brother in Christ, you made the sandwich. Yeah, no, I think all they did was put the ingredients on the bun for you. You made the sandwich. You chose, you handpicked the house dressing with the ranch and the barbecue sauce and then (laughs) the olives and the red onions and no spinach and no lettuce and no tomato. But then you wanted extra Parmesan cheese on there. And then you saw... You saw Russ right in the top corner where you you thought the cherry cheesecake dynamite cookie was going to be good. And then you're like, you know what I want you to do with that? I want you to to throw it in the garbage and shake it around a little bit. And whatever you come out and pull with, I want you to put that in the bag too. And they took a bite and he's like, this isn't what I wanted at all. It's like LeBron, my man, you made the order. All right. All they did was cash you out. That's all they did. I don't want to hear coaching blame. I don't want to hear that it's anybody in the front office. You mean to tell me that, oh, he doesn't have any sway. It's like, you mean to tell me they don't double, triple, quadruple ask him before changing the colorway of a shoe? Before before putting (laughs) a purple towel instead of a gold towel up? Are you kidding me? You don't think LeBron James walked into that organization and said, this is changing, this is changing, this is changing. And you know what they did? They had a pen and a piece of paper out. And they were like, okay. (laughs) I don't want to hear this apologist where it's like, well, he doesn't control the rotations, and he doesn't control who suits up. It's like he most certainly says, all right, listen, this is who I want you to trade for. And then they, they appear next summer. It's crazy. It's crazy how a player like LeBron James has that power. Shut up, Nick. You fucking 
Laker, Laker supply. Like, oh. Oh. Mitch, this is exactly why you are the number one guest on the Hoop Journal podcast. This is exactly why. We got to take a quick break and then we will uh, we'll wrap things up. So that was that was a fantastic rant there, Mitch. That's uh, exactly <laughs> the type of content that I bring you on the podcast for. Um, I'll wrap up just by asking you this question. So we've talked about plenty about you know the types of moves that you want the Raptors to make, but what are you actually expecting from this team at the trade deadline? Because Masai Ujiri in his history has rarely, if ever, really made deadline moves. So what are you expecting come February 8th or February 10th? You know what? What I expect to happen... Uh, it's very uneventful. I think a guy like Mark Gasol comes out of retirement. Um, <laughs> I think a guy like Kawhi Leonard requests a trade. I think Norman Powell wants to return home, and, and I think I think Kyle Lowry gets waived and he rejoins. And we and and, and the Bucks are looking to rehome Surge too, so we might just make uh, one last hurrah. No. Um, what I actually think to happen is I think they're going to play as close out to the deadline as they possibly can to see where they stand. What is it? The March 16th or 17th? What the is mother it deadline? Year? Yeah. What is the deadline this year? I think it's February 10th. Oh my God. February. Well, yeah, it's, it's right before all-star weekend. Oh, that's right. Why do I feel like, why, why did March come out? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it used to be like right after all-star weekend and then they changed it to right before. Ah, oh, February 9th. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, I think between <laughs> the next two weeks, uh, they're going to see exactly where they stand. If they stand at getting that top six, five pick, uh, you know, where they can get Eamon Thompson, um, blow it up. Honestly, I, I honestly expect them to be like, all right, Scotty and OG, untouchable. See if we can field the market for Freddie. Probably try to keep Trent. If there's any Hail Mary offers for Siakam, then yeah. But otherwise, play him out for the rest of the year. See where, where they land. You're right. Kawhi is, historically speaking, he's not a splash midseason trader. He's a shot-in-the-arm midseason trader. Like right. To get Gasol, for example, was one of those, oh, okay, not one of those like, whoa, look at that. It, it, for all the times, actually, it was pretty controversial because a lot of people were like, we gave up JV? Like, what? Like, mm-hmm. what? He was an integral piece, man. And then look what it got us. Right. Um, Obviously not the same situation. We're not even close to becoming even a playoff team as it stands. So, you know, I would, uh, the first thing I would do if I'm a Psy is I'm picking up the phone to the Warriors and being like, is Baldwin Jr. and Moody available? If not, okay, you know, move on from there. Um, see if you can, like, you know, like we have a lot of like dangable pieces. Like we can move yeah. out of Porter Jr. for some relief. We can move Chris Boucher. We can move Thad Young. We could move Kim Birch. You know, like there's options, but I honestly think that it's going to be like a little tiny, like little tiny needle mover where it doesn't mm-hmm. really put you in the position to improve yourself rather than just consolidate for next season, set you up to be better next year. Yeah. Cause I think, do you think there's any potential for them to be buyers or even like you said, like a shot in the arm type of trade, just like mix things up sort of thing, because I'm thinking like they're 21 and 27 right now, but if they're able to turn things around a little bit in the next two weeks, like this is a team that last year was 23 and 23 
finish the, the season, same time. Finish the season 25 and 11 to, to finish the year 48, 34. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if, if the Raptors go on like a second half run. You know what I'm saying? Like it's the same team for the most part. So do you think there's any potential that they could actually go in the opposite direction at the deadline? I think if they were to go for a shot in the arm trade, it would be moving probably like Boucher, Thad, and even Precious at this point for the upside from a team. I still think if if they move Freddie, Orlando's probably the place that I'd want to see. But you can also explore Orlando for other options because Gary Harris would be a good guy to put Stone on the bench for a shooter. Um, moving Thad Young would be interesting. Like I'm not I'm not opposed to um taking a like big swing but even if something small is like getting like a bomba and a duarte or um calling up the knicks see what they want for reddish kind of thing or even eric gordon there's a bunch of those guys where it's like you can see them in a raptors uniform and contributing just not leading them to a playoff spot right, right. so if they get that shot in the arm like yeah who knows maybe josh richardson the, is the answer you know maybe yeah, let's maybe. say Pokushevsky is the answer. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, maybe just like having a new mix could be the answer. You know what I mean? Just, and I, I don't know like who would be the guy. Like, I don't know necessarily that there's like chemistry issues or anything like that, but sometimes just, you know, mixing things up, just having a fresh uh, mix of guys is, is what you really need to turn things around. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen like the idea of Jakob Pertl is great. Yeah, that's a good mix up right there, but I'm not willing to give up first for him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the idea of trading with the Lakers makes me sick. Um, <laughs> as much as I'd love a guy like um, Alexander Walker, Nah would be great from Utah. They have no reason to take anything from us. So it's like I I can foresee the shots in the arm, but they're more they're, they're kind of looking like band aids. The more you really flesh it out. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I think uh, I think that's probably a, a good place to call it. Um, this has been fun, Mitch. Thank you as always for coming on to the pod. Uh, still waiting on the hoops dissection return. But I know that uh, I know that when you do return, it'll be well worth the wait. So, looking forward to that. Um, got some more podcasts coming soon. Probably not until uh, next week or like next weekend. But uh, we got two out this weekend, so I'm, I'm happy about that. Thank you guys as always for listening. Share with your friends, and we'll be back soon. <laughs>